This is your host, Caitlin Cook, and welcome back to the Dead Kate Bounce experience. This week's guests are Grant and Jerry from Blockmates.com. Blockmates is in the business of education, helping to make cryptocurrency accessible to everyone via their guides, tutorials, reviews, and a free weekly newsletter with the latest crypto analysis. It's so simple, your grandparents could follow it. And let me tell you, the crypto industry needs more of what they're doing. As a whole, crypto content creation today is in desperate need of a makeover. There are far too many creators that either don't know what they're talking about or focus on things like, say, silly thumbnails on YouTube to bring in listeners that are simply designed for click rather than value. In short, unnecessary noise and far too many grifters. On the other end of the spectrum is Blockmates. Value is the key driving force behind everything they do. From deep dives into promising crypto projects to 101 explainers on up and coming areas of the market, this team is seemingly everywhere. We discuss important topics, including crypto education, the makings of a strong and sustainable crypto project, red flags for investors to look out for, and more. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Grant and Jerry. All opinions expressed by your hosts and the podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of the hosts or any of their affiliates. This podcast is for commercial and informational purposes only, is not investment advice, and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. We are not recommending any securities or cryptocurrencies, nor is this an offer or sale of a security or cryptocurrency. Okay. The only people I would do a 7 a.m. podcast recording for to make this work, but Jerry Grant, welcome to the podcast, my degenerate friends. Thanks for having us. I don't know any any single person on this planet that would actually host both of us at the same time, never mind at seven in the morning. So I don't know I don't know what's right in your mind. <laughs> um well we're not gonna make this into a session with my therapist and answer that question in long form, but um we're gonna we're gonna just we're just gonna go with this because this is an experiment for sure. And like you said, we're gonna find out how this goes with both of you on at once. And I'm it's foregoing not- my coffee knowing that I'm talking to the both of you. And it sort of works the same way every time I talk to you guys. So that the energy kind of wakes you up real quick. And if nothing else, always entertaining. So excited to have you on. Um, so this is more for, you know, the world that you guys operate in, very much the degenerate crypto native crowd, obviously operate in that day-to-day working crypto as well. But this is more other end of the spectrum um as dgen people probably say like normies i don't even know what they're called these days because i'm kind of a little bit of both but for traditional finance crowd the people trying to like figure this shit out basically and for them maybe we just start with literally what is blockmates and i think the first part of that and the second part of that is how did the two of you even meet because no one in traditional finance really has an understanding of the way the internet works like this and how people like you guys come across each other and just start building cool things. It's one of my favorite parts of the space. And I always love the origin stories around that. So maybe we'll start there for whoever wants uh, to. Can you, can you yeah. see my screen in the background? Can you see what it says on the screen there? It says the ape enclosure. <laughs> There's your branding. I, I can hit us off for what is block medicine. Jerry's got a funnier side of the story of how we met anyway so that i think that ties in quite well but um yeah i'm 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 grant i was the 
original founder of what Blockmates was many moons ago, which feels like a complete lifetime. Um, I'm actually around 12 years old. I just look like this because crypto's <laughs> aged me so much. But um, new story. No, it's <laughs> no. We're we're primarily. Uh, I suppose it's a content platform evolving into kind of a new media company that is basically from day one always just try to kind of report on what's happening in the crypto space and i mean anyone can report on what's happening in the crypto space um all the big news outlets do it all the big publications do it but the way that i've always tried to get our content across and try to distill it into our writers which the writers room is just increasing by the day with the amount of people that are coming in to try and uh, write articles for us is we need to deliver the information in a way that's accessible to the remaining 99% of people who don't have a clue what's going on. Um, keep it lighthearted, but don't skip over any of the depth. So I'm a strong believer of whether it's very heavily written in jargon or whether it's extremely accessible to everyone, there's, you can still deliver the same high quality information and, and content that way. So we try and kind of deliver it in such a way that you'd actually want to read. Um, so that's across long form articles, kind of trend forecasting, deep dives into specific projects, what's happening in the wider space. And um, towards the middle part of this year, we'll, we'll try and venture into news as well, see if that actually works and try and deliver the news in a lighthearted and fun way as well. Um, so I suppose that's it on the surface. I probably wouldn't want to bore everyone to death with what goes on behind the scenes because um, even I don't know at times. <laughs> operate in a state of chaos at all times no one needs to <laughs> no one needs to know if it works just just keep it going keep it rolling <laughs> jerry do you want to um grass yourself up on how we how we met <laughs> i've never met grant before in person we've had <laughs> we've probably spent more time with each other over the last year than probably our significant others and definitely my family i've probably had more conversations with Grant about what it is that we're doing and where we want to go that I, I can't even begin to explain. But how did we meet? I mean, obviously, we had pandemic and, you know, things came to grinding halt and we were all at home. And obviously, markets went ballistic. Um, and a lot of us kind of like gave up our day jobs. I mean, I had a day job once. I don't remember what that's like. But it was full-time crypto for me. I mean, I had a bit of money. I'd done quite well the year before, and, and I, there wasn't an urgency to go and, and work. And and frankly, I was having a lot of fun, and the markets were just going up only, and, and Grant was was starting to, to write these articles, and they were starting to come to everyone's attention. You know, there were some really, like, famous articles that came out that made Wonderland Time accessible to everybody. I mean, Wonderland Time went, like... There were hundreds of thousands of, of holders of, of Wonderland Time. And 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 in many ways, the kind of writing that was out there was very much limited to, you know, the DeFi native, you know, decentralized finance, very technical, very like it's really difficult to understand that kind of jargon. And and that's where we come in. That's where Grant kind of like started this whole thing is like, how do I explain this to my dad? How do I explain this to my family? Like, let me write about it. They can read it and then they'll know. And I started reading these articles. Bit of a normie back then. I mean, even though I'd had a previous a previous life in crypto, I was still very much a normie. And these articles kind of brought crypto to 
to a very manageable and understandable space. And, and I started chatting to Grant on Twitter. He was very engaging. So Grant is not like all those other big accounts on Twitter. So where they kind of like think they're cooler than everybody else. And that's like one of the the barriers to entry into crypto. And I think you can both relate to this is that, you know, anyone who's got over 50,000 followers on crypto, they think they're cooler than everybody else. Well, guess what? You aren't. You just like everybody else and you're going to make the same mistakes. And and I started engaging with Grant, like, you know, just like socially. It was an online context. He was very engaging, not just with me, but with everybody, you know, and was kind of like cool guy. Started chatting and kind of like asked him, you know, what are you doing? How are you actually like deriving a form of income in this whole space? And kind of like shared some ideas. I started sharing some ideas that he probably thought I was mad. He probably thinks I'm mad now than he did then. But <laughs> he kind of like saw this idea and it's kind of like, okay, well, this could be a business. You know, we could actually do something here where we can make money and still be involved in the space and be part of this whole thing. I mean, it was very eloquent of you to introduce us as the degens. You know, it's like we are degenerates. <laughs> but so is everybody else. Like everybody else out there that's listening to this, there is a degenerate side to everybody. And it's kind of like, even if you are very cautious with your investments and the rest of it, we make crypto accessible and you can still be cautious. You can still take the safe bets. You don't have to be a degen. And that's how we we met. And then next thing I knew, it was December of 2021. And Grant's like, join me. Let's do this. I'll give you half the business. And I'm like, are you mad? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. And then a year later, we reflected on where we were. And, and now it's been just over a year. And it's just been a hell of a ride. And it's been probably one of the best years of my life, to be honest. <laughs> it's been fun to have like a small, you know, obviously with like the work I do with Hero, we work with you guys quite a bit and it's been so much fun. Like you guys just make like even the most boring conversations, right? They're never boring because they very much have that degenerate side. Keep it light. Keep it fun. Like very yeah. good understanding of taking, which is one of my favorite things is taking the really complex things and making them simple but you actually do make it simple that's the difference between what you guys do and so many others do in the crypto space that think they're making content that is accessible accessible for who right like i think you guys say something like content that's like so easy to understand that your grandmother would get it or something like that right where it's like your grandparents your parents anyone who's never seen this space before like you make it that much easier. Um, and I, you know, that's obviously what the entire point of this podcast is. This is something that's the background I come from. Like I'm all for that. So obviously a big fan met uh, Jerry before Grant ever did, which is funny to think about in person because crypto is <laughs> very weird like that. The first time that I met Jerry, I stayed in an Airbnb with him and Dan, who is not on this podcast, but also on the Blackmates team, two people I just completely <laughs> never met in my life. Um, and it could have been a true crime podcast, but it ended up turning out fine, um, thankfully, because good people, which could have definitely Lock gone either way. <laughs> Lockdown in the cupboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For sure. Oh my gosh. Um, so there are about 50 different ways I want to go with this, but talking about the content that you guys put together. And you guys are expanding the team. I have no idea how you guys get what you get done, um, done in a day, in a week, in a month. All of the content that you guys put out, your absolute machines and quality on it has never gone down, which is obviously the goal, like putting out more and keeping it to like that standard. But how the hell do you do it? Like, how do you 
first of all, like create content that actually makes sense to people. And where do most people that do create content go wrong? I know you mentioned jargon, Grant, but I think there are a lot of ways that if you're trying to make content that actually is accessible, there are a lot of kind of different, you know, holes that you can fall in that really make that much more difficult very quickly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a funny one. It's like uh, there is kind of a method to the madness, I suppose, but I suppose if you look at it like running just putting one foot in front of the other without falling over, <laughs> it's like that half the time. <laughs> um, I think it's the same with any kind of early stage kind of business, particularly in content where it's have to be on top of the game at all times, kind of forecasting what's coming out and making sure everything runs on time. So this time last year, it was basically me and Jerry. Now there's like 10, like six full-time, four part-time. So like it's just ever expanding. And then we've come in with that content at scale is really, really tough because you can't let anything sift through the cracks, particularly in this industry where... You know, you might think that everything's all great on the surface with a project that you're kind of commentating on. But if we don't do that extreme level of due diligence that we put before everything um, and something ends up happening where we have just completely overlooked it or it might come out that something with the founders or the projects just designed to kind of fail or designed to kind of siphon funds and things like that. And um, it's really, really difficult. It's a real complete minefield. Um, don't know why we do it, <laughs> but um, and, it, and there's a real diff. And you'll know this better than anyone, Kelly. It, it's there's a real difficult and blurred line between a lot of content creation, media, education in the space that, from the outside looking in, if you're kind of new to this space, you'd perceive it all to be the same. Um, but once you know like how the internal dynamics of this industry works um, with a lot of kind of quite bad actors, <laughs> and you can see that's where a lot of kind of incentives for content actually comes from. Um, so I think that's one of the real main issues with kind of content creation. One, people want to jump to monetization before they put in the work. Um, and it shows in, in the kind of quality and the delivery of the work um so it's, it's a real tough one uh getting stuff published out on time for deadlines consistently and of high quality is really tough it's really really difficult to find good writers um i've got around 30 so in my inbox now for a new <laughs> new content role that i have to sift through which i really can't be bothered to do but i'm gonna have to do it um particularly if the website scales with the new site build that's coming out in like six weeks. So um, it's really tough. Don't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> so, not to Love deter it, competition though. or anything, but it's really tough. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else, to be honest. So, I mean, good, you're like straight in the middle of the most chaotic space that there is right now. And trying <laughs> to put content out and keep up with a lot of it, which is one of the biggest things that I wanted to ask you guys about because it's something that I struggle with and I work in the space, like obviously focused on a specific project rather than, you know, trying to look at it from the top down and, you know, finding opportunities in different places. But it is really hard to keep track of things and do it well. And I also think that, you know, to your point, 
people are incentivized in so many different ways that, you know, you don't know where their money is coming from. You don't know why they're saying what they're saying, but especially on, you know, in a space that operates so heavily on Twitter where people don't fact check, it makes the people who do the work in a more like thoughtful manner show up and, you know, stand out much, much more. But how do you find good projects. That's literally the biggest question of this entire thing that I want to ask is how do you even, first of all, find, you know, what's out there with the 20,000 different things that are thrown in your face in the news and on Twitter and every single day, how do you find the opportunity and what is a good project look like? Cause like you said, most people don't do the due diligence on it. Most people see a project, maybe throw a little bit of money in. Um, this is obviously for people who aren't even full-time in crypto and I have a hard time in the space keeping up. Can't imagine how people outside of it feel. And that kind of makes sense for why more people don't get quite as excited as we do about some really weird nerdy things. But there's a lot to unpack there, I think, um, that's worth going through. A lot of people don't have good... So so Grant is better at choosing the projects on their inception. Like he's got a a sixth sense, but that comes back to what it is that he said early on is that there's like you know what to look for. And there's just kind of like a list of tick boxes that, um, or a list of boxes that you got to tick in order to arrive at the conclusion. So I'll let him speak to that. But for me, the analogy that I come with, come up with is it's like surfing. You know, if you, if you, if you want to surf, there's a process that you've got to go through. You don't just arrive at, you know, Lance's rights in the Mentawis and you paddle out because you're going to die if you don't know what you're doing. You simply are going to die. Um, you go and you find a beach break that's really gentle and you learn how to surf and you you get you get dumped and crypto is very similar to that in that you've got to figure it out in many ways the hard way and it comes with small bets on well-known tokens in the marketplace that everybody knows about like you would in any other kind of investment thesis this isn't financial advice this is just my silly analogy around arriving when you are delving into new projects in the decentralized finance space, that is the equivalent of the dangerous wave because there really is no substitute for experience. There really is no substitute for having spent the time reading Blockmates articles. What do we do? We write articles around highly complex projects and we simplify it in a way that you can understand it. But then from that point onwards, it's up to you to discern what those those boxes are that you need to tick and then you go about doing that what we do is we give you that little bit of insight into the project we've kind of we've well not kind of we have obviously done a a severe due diligence on this thing and then you get to make the decision from that point onwards grant share your process and your thinking around that yeah it's quite it's quite funny this one because we um we've just kind of brought friend from outside the industry in uh you'll know him as alex (laughs) um to do kind of communications marketing and just getting all the content ready and up to go and then mike is coming to do operations and all that kind of stuff so they when we kind of were going through that transition of bringing those guys in it was like right so how do we define what a good project is like if how do, how do we know like how, how do we know what we're going to write like how, how how do you go about doing that and then initially i was just like oh i just i just we just know and then like thinking about it a little <laughs> deeper it's because you do you do you do get a sixth sense for this kind of thing because 
when you're doing this day in, day out, all day, every day, um, I literally live in paradise and sit behind this laptop and get to watch it from a window. It's um, you just you just know you just pick up kind of that sixth sense. But if you kind of unpack it, I think it comes down to what Jerry was saying of if you've been around and operated in the space and got your hands dirty, like and tried everything out and been kind of with the likes of Solana and Avalanche and all, a load of kind of really cost effective and fast chains you can afford to try it out for probably less than $10. So you kind of have no excuse to not try it now. A year ago, maybe 18 months ago, it wasn't really cost effective to do that because Ethereum was, gas prices were so high, it was just making, it was it was just stupid. But now there's so many avenues that you can actually go and try that stuff out. And you don't have to risk, you don't have to risk anything. You just try it. You don't. You, you can buy stuff, you can sell stuff, you're gonna lose, might lose a couple of dollars. You can try and add liquidity. You can try and try out all these novel products. And just doing that at scale every single day when there's new developments and new kind of problems being solved, you kind of get a grasp for what is a good project and what isn't a good project. If it's, is it solving a niche product or a niche area of the industry that crypto has a real <laughs> issue of solving problems that don't necessarily need to be solved? Um, that's all well and good. But then once you're so immersed inside the industry, you start to pick up on, yeah, these, these things could be around for the next 30, 40 years and they're completely game-changing or even further beyond that. Um, so what if, just as a kind of basic checklist is, what's a, what's a good one, actually, now that we've kind of been through a bit of a drawdown and markets have been quite sour? Has the project taken a dent, taken a hit? Was it reliant on price? um from a like a protocol standpoint and its product standpoint if yes is it sustainable can it face another two or three of these drawdowns and still be here um what are the founders doing are they talking about price that's a big no-no <laughs> should be talking on product and not talking at all um what kind of people are talking about the product which is another one kind of getting back to our earlier point of who is being incentivized to talk about the product or who's just talking about the product through sheer love and well, there might be an investor of it, but um, kind of what category does the kind of people that are talking about the product fall into? Is the kind of lindiness? Is the kind of stickiness? Is the products I can build on top of and create its own kind of dynamic flywheel and things like that? It's And I think more than anything, if products can survive and not just stay the distance and allow the token to converge to zero, but if they can survive through bull and bear markets like the likes of GMX, which has seen a lot of activity because people wanted to trade up short, short and long curve, people swapping stable coins, Uniswap, people are always wanting to trade in and out of things. Stuff that has real product market fit and people use, particularly in a bear market, is always a good indication that it's going to have longevity and greater product market fit once people come back to the market and start participating. GMX, great example. Hero is just a perfect example of that. Um, Curve, Uniswap, all these kind of things that get used regardless of what the price, token price is doing. Always a good sign. There's also block notes. They've, they've been around the market <laughs> writing, writing about content and that's just like being introduced to all these amazing projects. I mean, it was really fascinating to see like that people were still raising money, that people were still 
doing all of that stuff. And that's a great indicator as well. Like the best indicator is are projects building in a bear market and are people reacting in a positive way to what it is that they're building as opposed to, you know, like in the middle of the bull, we were, we, we were being offered $100,000 to go and write an article on a project that was a clear Ponzi. And it's like, your project's a Ponzi, buddy. And like, we're not going to write anything. <laughs> and even if it was a million dollars, we're not going to write about it. So, you know what? Have a nice day. Good luck with whatever it is that you're doing, but we're not supporting you on that. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's such an important point to you thinking about, it's much easier to look at this in a bear market too. I will say that for sure. Because the one thing that I appreciate that you just said too, right, is it's never going to be about the money with that. Like you can't be bought. Like that may be how you make your living, but it also comes back to credibility. And it's very easy to be right in a bull market and everyone gets very excited. Everyone thinks that they're the next like best investor in the world by throwing, like Grant was saying, throwing $10 in a couple different tokens because in crypto you can do that and it's very cheap. And that like maybe a handful of them skyrocket and you think that you did something right from that, but then you step back and look at the projects kind of really in the light when things aren't going well. And maybe they didn't, you know, manage their treasury well. Maybe they were literally like kind of set up to be fair weather only where they didn't consider what happens mm. when markets go down and you're in a rece like recessionary environment. Like there's so much to think about with that, that most people don't even look into until it's too late, which I think, you know, yes, like definitely get a sixth sense sort of for what, you know, might throw you off um, for some of the more obvious things, but some of it, doesn't even come to light until after the fact for a lot of people, which is, it's unfortunate, but like Jerry said, I mean, it's definitely a product of, uh, you know, kind of taking a couple punches and then remembering to do that due diligence ahead of time rather than after. The due, the due diligence process around protocols as Grant, you know, like eloquently put it is it's, it's actually fun it's like a fun thing because you know there's the saying in crypto i'm in it for the tech you know what when you actually start out with this journey it's got to be about the tech you must go and find the projects where you know like it's, it's about the tech the tech must excite you like what are these guys actually trying to solve then once you think it's an amazing idea test that theory test that theory with the community with you know, whether it's whether it's Twitter, whether it's some community that you pick up, like the Blockmates community, it doesn't matter. Whether it's the local crew at the pub that have a crypto group that you can speak to. There's there's enough avenues of exploration where you can question the technology and what it is that projects are trying to solve that will not only make you more knowledgeable in the space, but it makes it actually fun. It becomes like a game, like it would in any other investment process. And then you can start getting into the nuances of this thing. And that's when you will start making money, hopefully, you know, because you're starting to to figure out, okay, I made a bad decision. These guys don't have a value proposition or these guys do. What is the value proposition? Cool. Does it apply to other projects? And then you begin your journey and then you begin to to find the different layers. And next thing you know, you're degening in DeFi. You don't care because you, you made a whole lot of money on the other trade. And, and it's just, you know, even if it's ten dollars, even if it's a hundred dollars, it doesn't matter. The point is, you're growing, you're learning, and you're having fun. Yeah, I've got a good, I've got a good kind of recent story on on something that might be perceived from the outside looking in as a bit kind of ridiculous and somewhat off-putting to people. But 
we always kind of get asked by new mark participants what's the whole thing with people being anonymous and obviously there's multiple factors of why people should stay anonymous um that won't get into um and yeah it's definitely a it's definitely like two sides to it like positive and negative but um <laughs> if you'd seen recently i've been taking screenshots of the conversation between me and my dad who'd been trading some extremely liquid projects that had very questionable um <laughs> a very questionable kind of projects and things like that but what he absolutely loved most and he never experienced it he never he's never bought stock in his life i think he's got kind of some equity in the company that he works with but he loves the idea that he could just pop into a telegram or a discord take the project out of it whatever project it is um regardless if it's good or bad he has this kind of anonymous face whilst he's still learning and he can come across in a way that he can ask questions without fear of kind of being the idiot in the room because you've got this anonymous face and you can kind of hide behind that. And every day he's sending me updates of what he's been learning from just from picking up on conversations that are happening in these kind of channels between anonymous and non-anonymous people. Um, he sent me one this morning. What was it? Um, the importance of renouncing an LP contract. So effectively, what what that means yes. for anybody who doesn't know. What you're looking you for? Deploy... Yeah, that's what you want, right? As a as a <laughs> shitcoin trader, you, that's what you want. You want renouncing <laughs> of the contract. <laughs> yeah, renouncing a contract just means that when you deploy liquidity into an LP position, um, if the owner or whoever deployed that initial contract they don't renounce the ownership of it there would, there would be a potential for them to just withdraw that whole liquidity and if people have bought in that he's technically inside the contract so um that's your well term kind of rug pull that initially came from but uh yeah so he's gone through that he's gone through a learning process just being anonymous in chats um yeah, it's, it's hilarious, honestly. I'm going to shot Stash at him more of the conversation. But he lo he loves that aspect of it. He can just learn in, in kind of the, the shadows, effectively, by listening to all these weird and wonderful people around the world chat about what's happening. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's like one of the most interesting parts of crypto that I try to explain to people outside. And like, you don't get this quite as much with like regular traditional markets at all with like the community side of it. I love that, you know, you guys mentioned find what you're actually interested in and start there. I don't see another way to do it. And I, I feel like that's the advice that a lot of people give when it comes to looking at stocks too. Like, oh, you're like a younger kid. Well, tell me what companies that you like, tell me why you like them. And we'll throw like a little bit of money in. we'll buy a couple shares. And then you have incentive to follow along with it. You understand what the company does because you have interest in it. Like that makes sense to me for a way for people to start. The cool thing with crypto, and you guys can probably talk about this a little bit more, like, because um, I think you guys are probably a lot more active than me on this, but um, Telegram, Discord, Twitter, if there's a project that you're interested in and that project is, you know, still alive and well, I can guarantee you that there's a community that you can go to, ask these questions like your dad is doing, hang out all day if you wanted to. Like, these people are all around the world and someone at any given time is going to be like in the chat, ready to talk to you, ready to have a conversation. And that's something that you don't get in more like well-established spaces. I feel like crypto is such a startup culture type of place that people live and breathe this stuff. 
And no matter what you're interested in, you're going to find your people, like find your tribe, I think is how I've heard maybe one of you put it before. It's like such an important part. Yeah, you don't get like 10,000 people in the Apple Slack <laughs> or Discord chat, chatting about kind of product updates and things like that. You might get some people, but not to the scale of what you see on every single project mm-hmm. uh, in this space. It's it's kind of amazing. I was laughing the other day that like USDC and Circle have a Discord, which I found was absolutely hilarious because it's a stable coin, but <laughs> even, like, even down to that... <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't go up when 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 marketing <laughs> but um no it's that is such an underutilized and underexplored kind of tool i think um like if you're using it purely on like to make a decision on like buying something or like to take a position in something like if you're seeing it on on the likes of Twitter and regular channels, nine times out of ten, it's probably a little bit too late. Um, some will have staying power depending on like wider market conditions. But um, if you can get in there, it's it's like what made Twitter like great. People could go on and like literally talk to celebrities and like at celebrities. But like think about it, like in this space, you can you can go into any Discord or any Telegram of any specific project and literally talk to the founders. If you have any questions, you can raise them. And there's some kind of self-policing that goes on there as well, because um, if someone doesn't get the answer that they want by asking the founders directly in Discord or Telegram, or they get an answer that's a little bit shaky or doesn't kind of add up to what they've actually read further afield, then um, that in and of itself is kind of a, you know, a bit of a telltale sign. So you can actually go straight to the source. And if things don't match up what it says in the docs, or if you have the capabilities actually reading contracts and then you hear something completely different from the team or the founders, or um, it's just a completely underutilized tool. And usually information about products will get shared there before it gets shared to kind of social medias and things like that. So it gives you a little bit more time to make an investment decision and a probably a better decision off the back of it, I think. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's- you know what you know what's really what i find really interesting about essentially crypto culture because it definitely is a subculture that's that has it's definitely a subculture. That, <laughs> it's like another that's what happens before things become mainstream <laughs> they, they very much are a, a subculture that that finds its own nuance i mean we talk about memes you know like what is a meme well come and join the crypto culture and you will know what memes are your kids have no idea what memes are the crypto culture will show your kids what meme culture is and, <laughs> and the reason why i use that is that it's not a it's not a superior it's not about being superior it's just that there's a language that gets spoken within all subcultures and it's very much gaming orientated so like the communication and the way that we communicate within the space is very much founded in the gaming culture a lot of the guys that are in the space we're gamers at some point in time to it's just very strange you know and the guys that make incredible wealth are just like i've met some of these guys they are like in their early 20s they've they're worth millions of dollars they actually don't care about the money they really don't it's kind of like it's a tool that they use so that they can go and build more stuff and that's where they reside that's where their reality actually is and it's like this is what innovation looks like this is why it's it's criminal that 
you have a country like the US that's like not supporting like this culture that is so incredibly vibrant and just mind-blowingly good at what it does in the country of its origin in many ways. I mean, the US is one of those centers and you've got all these, I mean, <laughs> just we're working with, with a guy by the name of Soda. His name is Soda, right? <laughs> like as in Soda Pop and the dude is a genius. Like he's, a, there is no question about it. He is an absolute gigabrain genius worth a serious amount of money. It's obvious that he is. And it's like, he doesn't care. It's like, all he wants to do is build this protocol so that he can build other things afterwards. And, and then that's the mission that nothing else really matters. And if you can bottle that and sell it, you would be the next superpower. You know what I mean? And it's like, this is what I love about the space is that you just don't know who you're going to land up going on a call with. A lot of the time, it's pretty standard and people just want to do business. And But then you meet these guys. <laughs> it's just like, wow, these guys, like, they are the video game, you know, and it is the meme. <laughs> and... <laughs> It's such a different culture to adjust to, honestly. Like, I'm like, I had difficulty with this. I still feel like I do sometimes, like, coming into this space from a much more buttoned up, much more highly regulated, very um, much older crowd for sure. Like, it is not, it is not the same. And I think that's something that a lot of people, like, I don't think that was just a me thing. I think that trying to explain crypto to people outside of it, like you were saying too, like there is this subculture that is so strong. It's like so very clearly apparent. And it's really hard to get people over the hump of that. I think even in addition to the fact that crypto markets are primarily private, they're sort of an enigma, they're growing really fast. It's hard to keep up with all of that. And then- it's just this like incredibly strong meme culture where everyone's making references you don't understand. Like everyone's laughing about an inside joke that you're not in on. And I think that that can be as fun as it is on the inside. I think that can be like super off putting for people, which sucks because I think it's one of the best parts, but there's an education that's needed around that part too, which is weird because a lot of it is just, you know, spending the time getting in communities that you're interested in. Like you guys mentioned, getting to meet people that way, maybe being anonymous and asking questions that you have. But there are a lot of, you know, I'm trying to be more devil's advocate type of person on these recordings because I get myself so caught up because I'm like you guys, I'm all in on this. I work at it every day. There's a reason that I want to do this and that I like it. But I totally understand why what we find to be the best parts could also be either off-putting to people, confusing for people, another reason to stay out. And it's it's hard to work through all of those things at once if you're not fully in the space working in it every day. Like I still I struggle mm -hmm. with that and explaining it to people really shows you how early we are, which I know that's such a meme to say, but um we are still very very I think early. um I think I would I don't think this was by design, but I think like when we're speaking about communities, it's not just specific projects. Like we've obviously the hero one, the pit channel in heroes, legendary. Like it's really just <laughs> truly, a truly is for the people on it. Like it's a Discord channel called the Pit, which is basically like you know a traditional trading pit, right? Like you're just in there. It's loud. It's noisy. People are like yelling at <laughs> each other about a thousand different things. Basically, just the place where people dump like their thoughts or trading ideas, talk about anything. 
and it's it's why it's done like very very well over the years and it's literally just a discord channel on your phone screen but it has such a personality with it now which is you know kind of weird to think about yeah we i was stubborn and didn't want to go over to discord until like was it a year maybe a year ago and then we, yeah, we moved over discord because we were yeah. just we were just going too quick and we needed different so you've got your server and then you've got your different channels so like charts discussion in general and things like that just to break it down a little bit um but we kind of looked at the hero discord and wanted to try and cultivate that as much as possible for um just like a general purpose anyone can enter it's completely free don't need to pay anything you can just chill and hang out with everyone now with discord um and i don't think this is by design but it ended up looking like this anyway so gen like the general chat in there is quite open lots of different kind of skill and experience levels in there everyone's just chatting away going about the business very kind of you know not not too sensible because we wouldn't have that but it's it's about as regular as you're going to get for a chat of like 5,000 people just chipping away and having conversations. And then there are kind of, we did we did imp implement this kind of tiered structure. So the people who are more active in there, basically every, every kind of activity that you get in there gets logged on your account. Um, and then it kind of upranks you according to how much activity and how much input that you have in there. And then we siphoned off separate channels for people who are a little bit more active. Um, and what that does, it whittles down, keeps the general chat as open for as many people as physically possible, just to chat away. And then the people who are kind of power users and want to kind of have more in-depth discussions or kind of speak on a, on a higher kind of bar or d d discuss kind of niches and emerging pro topics and projects and trends and things like that. That's what it, that's when it filters into that. So as I say, I'd like to I'd like to think that we designed it that way but we inadvertently didn't and it's just kind of manifested itself in that way so um if anyone doesn't know where to start obviously the hero one's great join ours as well um join them both jerry's a serial discord server surfer <laughs> goes from server to surfer talking to you know everyone what, and anyone you know what i find really interesting about the the process of trying to come to terms with this thing is that there's a lot of noise like the the amount of noise that this space has is probably one of the largest out there maybe maybe it isn't but that's the way it feels to me um and then with that comes you know a lot of like the the kind of like scams that come with it you know and you've got to be so careful because even like your best friend could be like leading you into something that might potentially be a scam and that's like a big part of this the space and a big part of what it is that we do is that we actually bring to light the educational side of what it is that the space is and i know that caitlin you're very passionate about education in crypto and and rightfully so because it is such a an important part of progressing this this industry to a mainstream space you know and like a lot of people will probably ask the question well what's the point you know like why do we need crypto like what is crypto and like i think in in summary crypto is is effectively streamlining the traditional finance world in a more accountable more transparent 
and a more efficient way that gives you accountability as the user, not only from taking custody of your own money, but also being able to see what other people are doing with their money. And that is the essence of what crypto brings to the table. And if you don't understand that essence, then you need to go back and you need to read up about it because that's where the real appreciation starts. And when the penny drops, then you will endure like, you know, these kind of like these punches and these like getting dunked by the wave and like, and it's not about losing money. It's just like, where do I find the answers that I need so that I can actually improve myself? Where do I go for golfing lessons so that I can improve my swing and play a better golf and not look like a complete, you know, idiot when I go play with my mates? It's the same thing. There's no difference. The same neurons are firing. The same goals are being sought after. So why not do that with the technology that is going to effectively land up changing the way that you transact, do business, and more importantly, invest? Find those answers, find the sweet spots, find your nuance in the space, and you'll end up having a really good time. Trust me, putting $1 in and taking $10 out is a whole lot of fun. Sure, it doesn't happen all the time, but that's kind of like the, the fun part of it, you know, but then enjoy the learning part as well. And I think because there's so much noise, we need to just kind of like break it down. That's what we do at Blockmates. We try and break things down, take it in bite-sized chunks, where do we go from stage two to stage three? And then before you know it, you're in a community. I've met some really interesting people in Discord, from lawyers to freaking dentists to complete DJs that are 19 years old, just making fortunes daily and losing it the next day. And it's just like, it's just an insane space to be. Um, but it's not exclusive just to a 20-year-old. Everyone can play and everyone can have fun and everyone can learn. What's what's really um, what I love most is I don't get enough time to do this now, but taking kind of friends and family or people who just need a little like a little bit of help and, and steering in the right direction with this whole thing. That used to be um, big big part. Just try and show them what is actually happening because on the surface everyone sees the headlines when I don't know, some do dog coin or shib or doge or something like some something idiotic takes the headlines and it's never the kind of complete open decentralized finance products that are getting any of the glory. Um, and when you kind of show people that it isn't just a token that you hold in a wallet or an exchange or whatever and you show them the likes of Aave like anyone around the world can lend and borrow in a few clicks completely. It doesn't matter where you're from. Where, where don't you're need, a, don't need a bank. You don't need a bank. And if you don't pay your loan, you will get liquidated. Not because there's a bank manager telling you that. It's because the contract says on the blockchain and your money will go. Bye-bye. Pay it off. You're good. Don't pay it off. There's no human element. It's contract. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful. Yeah, Sorry, that, that, <laughs> no, we just we were saying even like during a lot of the fiascos that went on last year, particularly like three three hours capital, like one of the massive hedge funds that kind of blew up. They were paying down their loans on Ave whilst they were avoiding calls from creditors. <laughs> and they can't exactly just ring Stanny, who's the founder of Ave, and just say, Look, can we just have another couple of weeks? I know we'll blow our liquidation threshold. 
it, it doesn't care. It's 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 completely permissionless. It's a contract. It doesn't care what you want. Stick to the rules, and you'll be all right. If you don't, there's no ifs or maybe's about it. Bye um, bye. And then just showing people basics of that swapping into any asset stable curve obviously gets a little bit more complex when you go into curve and the dynamics there but um i think nfts were good as a gateway drug <laughs> um and i think the whole financialization aspect of nfts what's happening now um we've been helping a project called nft perp so people can speculate on the floor price or the lowest price of a nft collection so if you hate them then you can go show it on that collection that's fine so there's there's all sorts of kind of primitives and derivatives and things like that getting built on top um but i think i think it's really important to get across that it's not just bitcoin it's not just ethereum it's not just the ones that you see in the news there's actually great revolutionary products that have been built um and as we were saying earlier, there's the likes of Solana and Avalanche that you can go and try these things out for less than $10, get your fingers dirty, don't have to risk anything. Um, and just by doing that, you'll be, I'd say, probably in the top 10% of people who say they're in crypto at dinner parties and things like that, just by trying that, that stuff out. So, so that's my only thing I'd encourage people to do. Yeah, answer me this. My last question, just with all of the noise, and because I think, you know, if you're stepping back from this, like you said, I mean, you see a lot on NFTs, you see the blow ups, you see the really big, bad things. Um, you see the people saying, have fun staying poor. I totally understand why people <laughs> hate people in crypto. And like you guys mentioned, though, like you get in, you find your group of people. They are incredibly welcoming, open to answering questions, but that's not, most people don't even get that far. And I, I want them, want to encourage people to get to that point. Because like you said, like when you start putting a little bit of money in and messing around with the actual tech part and being in it for the tech and finding projects that you actually resonate with that are solving a problem, which to be fair, is not a majority of projects out there today. High growth space, there's gonna be a high amount of attrition. Most of them are not built to last. Um, what are the projects that you think are actually solving a problem? What are the needs that blockchain and all of these, you know, L2 projects are solving for that people should actually look at and that they can look at and say, this actually makes sense for me to care about because it is fixing something. It's not just this, you know, fun little tech project that someone did on a whim in a bear mar or bull market because they had money and were bored. Do you want to go first, Jerry? It's a long list. Um, I'll go for like the really simple stuff that, and then Grant can elaborate on on the more kind of like in-depth stuff. But I think the the big issue that crypto solves is obviously this open ledger system and accountability. And one of the big things that we learned over the last 12 months is the fact that we had seemingly one of the most successful central exchanges in 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 the name of ftx who were essentially cooking the books to the extent that you know it was beyond cooking i mean it was just insane if that, if that fire <laughs> absolutely i mean if that exchange had been on the blockchain there is no way that any of that stuff could have happened impossible it would just never have happened and i think the the major the major realization in this entire 
growth period that we are currently undergoing is just the value of transparency and accountability and permissionless systems. The most beautiful thing that crypto brings to the table right now is that you can't, you can't jimmy the system. It's like, there's the money and you can see where it moves. You can see where it moves to. I mean, we're building a product right now that is essentially going to be tracking wallets. That's what we're doing. It's part of something that we want to do for our community. And central exchanges really have exposed themselves for being bad actors for the most part through FTX. And that brush will taint all of them. And now decentralized exchanges that essentially emulate the central exchange experience are cropping up everywhere. Sure, there'll be a process of attrition where the best ones will survive and the better UX, UI ones will, will, will flourish. But that in itself is very good reason why crypto is, is a very good kind of like substitute for what's happening. And then there's a whole myriad of financial services out there. Web3 in terms of its very essence where you have peer-to-peer -peer payments is brilliant. You know, I don't need a third party to process a payment between myself and you, Caitlin can use the blockchain to do that. I don't need someone else taking a large chunk of change. Forex markets, it's a game changer. We don't need banks. We don't need, we don't need these guys to take 20% of our money. They, they have no business being in this space. That's just the surface of this whole thing. I don't know, Grant, if you want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's... Obviously, we, everyone likes a bit of speculation around like narratives that pop up and what's hot and are there any immediate problems that need to be solved and who's solving it and all that kind of jazz. But in in essence, there's specific projects that, are, that have got such great product market fit that as long as the blockchain that they're running on stays up, there's, they're immutable. Like the, the code will just run and run and run and run. As long as the network that it's running on stays alive, like Ethereum or Solana or Avalanche, Arbitrum, whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't need anyone to kind of keep that up to date, like the likes of Uniswap V2. Um, anyone can deploy tokens in there. They can deploy liquidity. They can trade. They can create a market. It doesn't matter who comes in and says, shut it down. It's, <laughs> it's built. It's a mutable code that's stored into a blockchain. That's completely fine. Like... Liquidity and the LUSD stablecoin deposit ETH into a smart contract and you can mint a stablecoin against it, LUSD. If everyone at Liquidity walks away tomorrow, then it still work. <laughs> and it'll work forever as long as Ethereum's still working. Um, curve, immutable code, can't be changed, deployed. It's um, And then, obviously, if you're looking more at products, obviously, the the very glaringly obvious ones uh exchanges derivatives like hero gmx money markets like Aave, starting to see some more under collateralized lending and things like that happening which is really really exciting um and even things like if you think about it a little bit of a further field obviously payments is seamless i hate having to use even like the really seamless ones like um like Monzo or, or Stalin that we have in the UK, they're a pain in the ass compared to how easy it is to just send and distribute funds across the world in like a couple of seconds. And then like products even built on top of that, like the, the guys that are building request finance. So if you're operating purely on chain, you have a team distributed across the world, send, receive invoices, bill expenses, 
basically like a kind of payroll system built into your Web3 wallet, MetaMask, whatever you want to call it, um, and handle that all there. And there's a lot of like really nice products that are getting built that on top of that kind of stuff as well. Not really too interested in the social, decentralized social and all that kind of stuff. I think it's a bit solving the problem that doesn't need to be solved effectively, but um, just a few of those that I mentioned, particularly the immutable contracts that are just going to run forever as long as the network stays alive are really interesting, I think. Yeah. I think that just the last thing, what I've just coming back to kind of like Three Arrows Capital and the fact that they were paying off those loans whilst avoiding kind of the guys in the real world is that if you want to borrow money or if you want to lend money, you can go and do that without having to speak to a bank or any of those kind of things. I know that those those issues haven't been addressed kind of like in the legal framework of what's going on, you know, in the States at the moment. And hopefully they will get resolved. Hopefully we will reach a point where there is clarity around that. But just putting that aside, the fact that you can do that kind of stuff and we have the technology to do that. Once again, if you aren't st sitting there in wonder and awe at the fact that we can do this without these third parties, and I don't know what would make crypto appealing to you. For me, that's why I enjoy it, is the fact that every day something new comes along. There's a new idea. Sure, a lot of them are, are like really crazy and just don't have relevance and they don't really solve solutions, but then you do get those gems that just change the game. And the guys that have changed the game will be here for the next 10 or 20 years. And that's what I find exciting about crypto. Truly in it for the tech. In it for the tech early. Um, well, this seems like a good place to stop, but for the people listening, obviously want to, you know, remind them of where they can go find all of the good content you guys are doing with block, uh, with um, Blockmates because you are doing, like I said, so much. Um, I, I'm your team has grown like very fast. I was even surprised by the numbers that you said, Grant. But um, where can people follow along with that? Get learning, ape in to crypto head first, and actually have a good resource that makes sense that they can understand. Yeah. So blockmates.com. So b l o c mates.com. That's just all the content. And if you want to go really right back into the archives there is an article archives tab in the top right you can just go and sit through that um so that's all your content um if you're just still passive and just want to kind of stay up to date because as you're saying it's really really tough to just capture everything there's a lot of moving parts all the time everything changes every single day um you will be able if you hit on the blockmates.com website if you subscribe to the newsletter um, you'll get that in your inbox twice a week, probably be three times a week if I got my own way with Dan in the next couple of weeks. Um, and that's just bite-sized chunks. If you've read like The Hustle for Business or Morning Brew, I'm trying to replicate what they've done there, but for crypto, so just bite-sized information in your inbox and to read that in five five minutes or less. Um, YouTube, just type in Blockmates, you'll find our interviews. Uh, Discord, everyone's welcome. If anyone tries to charge you any money for it, tell them go away. <laughs> um, but yeah, and Twitter's where we're most active. So it's just blockmates, D-O-T-com, so blockmates.com on, on Twitter. Um, and there'll be all our links in, like link tree in the bio in the description there. All right. Thank you guys so much again. And thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you, Caitlin. Good to be Thanks here. Thanks for having us. 
All opinions expressed by your hosts and the podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of the hosts or any of their affiliates. This podcast is for commercial and informational purposes only, is not investment advice, and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. We are not recommending any securities or cryptocurrencies, nor is this an offer or sale of a security or cryptocurrency.